Why don't you describe for me, as vividly as you can, what it is you're worried about, what it is that the nightmare scenario looks like. Fortunately, there's very few things, and most of them are very low probability. Uh, I rate the chance of a widespread epidemic far worse than Ebola in my lifetime is well over 50. You don't have to buy so much. Take it easy, just relax. Doug of Walmart said that buy more than a Christmas. Non-essential contact. To unnecessary to travel. We need people to start working from home where they possibly can. And you should avoid pubs, clubs, theatres, and other social events. Where's safe? Where's familiar? Where can I smoke? Go to Mum's, kill Phil, sorry, grab Liz, go to the Winchester, have a nice cold pint, and wait for all this to blow over. How's that for a slice of fried gold? This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome to another sesh on the Hot Four podcast, a, a sermon, if you will, in these troubled times we find ourselves in. Uh, if you're anything like me, Seba uh, BRX seems a long, distant memory, another time almost in the history of the world. Okay, I'm, I'm being slightly poetic, but I'm a creative darling, what can I say? Um, like, how are you doing? Like, seriously, how are you doing? If you're, if you're anything like me, I should imagine you feel anxious, fearful, angry, upset, uh, conflicted, torn between maintaining life and preserving our life's work. We all find ourselves in this this moment, this deep breath before the plunge. As Pippin in Lord of the Rings says, I don't want to be in a battle, but waiting on the edge of one I can't escape is even worse. I think we can all relate to that right now. As you probably heard in the first coronavirus briefing from 10 Downing Street, our government issued a statement urging Britons to avoid pubs, clubs, restaurants and theatres and to only make essential journeys in the quote-unquote national fight back against coronavirus. I'm usually one to weigh my words carefully, keeping political opinions to myself and my inner circle of friends, but... F*** it. The UK's brewing, pub and hospitality industry was publicly thrown under the bus on Monday the 16th of March 2020. If the coronavirus doesn't kill the vibrant UK pub scene, then the ambiguity surely will. It's hard to predict the future and what will become of all this, of of us. I think that's where much of the toilet roll hoarding has stemmed from, the need to control something in our lives. Uh, But in this move, rather than having a short, sharp shot for a few weeks through an embargo on visiting pubs and bars, allowing businesses to claim on their insurance against the closures, the UK's government has solicited a slow, protracted death warrant on many bars, pubs and tap rooms. And what of the rest of the brewing supply chain? We're all going to feel the effects. Some of us will come out the other side wounded, 
maybe more wise from these extraordinary circumstances. But somewhere we're so lucky, either with our livelihoods, some maybe even our loved ones, our lives. I think we're all feeling it right now. I mean, what what does this mean? There's a, a great sense of disorientation. What does it mean? Will I have a job? Will, where will I find the money to pay wages? Will I get paid? How will I be able to afford my mortgage? What's next? Will there be a brewery, a bar, a business in six months, 12 months, two years? Where does it end? I've had it commented by fellow beer professionals, many of whom I now consider my friends, that my podcast has always had a positive vibe. Now, I'm not always a glasses half full kind of guy. You can ask my wife that. And she, she, she used to call me a doom goblin. But so I've grown, you know, we've all got capacity to grow. Um, but I want to assure you that there is always hope. I know you might not feel like that right now. You, you might feel like me, like you're flying by the seat of your pants. But there is always hope. Through these challenging days in this industry that we all love and give our lives to, we'll, we'll find a way. We'll need to band together more than ever. We'll need to innovate, to pivot, to redefine how we do things, to challenge the old way of doing things and bend them into a new shape, to take stock of our businesses, our, our lives, and ask how can we do this better? And we often only find these answers when we take the time to slow down to observe to reflect to discuss and then then we can plan and then we can act there are lots of questions in this time of turmoil many of which don't have answers yet but one day one day they will my financial advisor said to me this morning all this will pass this will pass but for now we we wrestle with the unknown we we dance between the lines of the now and the not yet we stare into the uncertainty, like looking into the brew kettle, waiting for the hot break. And we crack open a beer, maybe in isolation, and we ask ourselves these questions and plumb our inner depths. And that's an uncomfortable place for many people to go to. But it's quite often that place of refining where we, we find ourselves, we face our fears and we grow through them. And when this is all over, maybe we will go for a nice cold pipe down the Winchester. Um, so before we crack open today's chat with Chris Wright from the pub's advisory service about COVID-19, which, if you haven't been paying attention, isn't a new hop variety, uh, I want to help you hop forward or at least maintain ground during this period with your beer business. Uh, firstly, if you want to chat or you just need a listening ear, I'm available. Like, private message me or send me an email to nick at hotforward.beer. Let me know how you are. Let me know if I can help you in any way. Um, shape or form. Secondly, I'm putting together a series of resources like a seven day mini course survival kit on how to plan, prepare and fudge your way through this crisis. Maybe I'll call it the lock in or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm still working on it. But if that's something you would like to receive in your inbox over the course of the next week or so, please head over to wait for it. The Winchester That's the Winchester dot hop forward dot beer and sign up to the mailing list and you'll receive it in your inbox um but it'd be like a, a short maybe video or audio course on various things you can be doing throughout this period and ideas and just to get some input it's, it's i want to help you in whatever way i can so that's the winchester dot hop forward dot beer and finally make sure you stay tuned to hop forward by following us at hop forward beers and subscribe to the podcast i'm aiming to get 
resources out on my various platforms over the coming weeks to help you through this troubling, disrupted time. Ultimately, I want to support you as my listeners uh, with your businesses. I'm happy to help. Uh, Now, today's episode was recorded on Monday the 16th of March, which was only a few days ago, but everything seems to move so incredibly quickly at the moment. And this episode was recorded prior to Boris Johnson's announcement in this press briefing. So just so we're fully up to speed, I asked Emily Heward, the food and drinks editor of the Manchester Evening News, to add a few comments in light of the briefing. And here's what she said, after which we'll crack open today's interview with Chris Wright from the pub's advisory service. It's an extremely worrying time for pubs and bars. I really feel for anyone having to make these difficult decisions, whether to stay open or not. I've spoken to and heard from dozens of very anxious business owners over the past 24 hours, and they all seem to be feeling the same way, that they've been left to completely fend for themselves. A lot of the people I've spoken to, and I can't claim to speak for everyone, they said they would have preferred a direct order to close and have the decision just taken out of their hands. They just want clarity and leadership. Some people thought that being ordered to close would leave them in a better position insurance-wise, but from the evidence I've seen and from advice from the Association of British Insurers today, that doesn't seem to be the case. But it would at least absolve them of the awful responsibility of having to balance public health advice with their own livelihoods. As it stands, and I desperately hope for them that it changes today, there's been no firm promises of state support so far beyond the measures announced in last week's budget. Allowing pubs to remain open while telling customers to stay away is just inevitably going to mean many places try their best to continue, while the customer takings take a massive hit. People are rightly worried about how they're going to pay their staff and suppliers, and also how they're going to protect themselves and their teams and their families. If social distancing is so important to containing the spread of coronavirus, the government really needs to take a stronger stance to enforce it, and to back that up crucially with the support that pubs will need to survive it. Today on the Hot Four podcast, I'm joined by Chris Wright from the Pubs Advisory Service. Hello. Hello. Good afternoon, Nick. How are you? I'm very well, thanks. Um, and um, like most people, working from home. So, um, you know, that seems to be part of the course at the moment. Yeah. I mean, why don't you tell people, uh, Chris, uh, what you do and what the Pubs Advisory Service is? Yes, quite. Well, the Pubs Advisory Service was set up in the wake of the government response um, into the Business Innovation and Skills Department, as it was then. Um, in 2011, um, it was basically assessed by government that people entering the licensed trade, especially those taking pubs from pub companies um, and commercial landlords, uh, needed detailed independent advice on, on a fairly wide range of issues. Um, and that this pre-entry advice would help people with the due diligence required to take on a pub and thrive. Amazing. So how long have you been doing that for? Um, well, officially, the name um, got got taken by myself and a few other guys in 2012. So, um, yeah, we've now been at that eight years. Um, right, wow, okay. It's gone, it's gone in a blink. What so, I, I mean, how have you seen the pub industry change over that time? Um, there's been some massive changes. I mean, the, the pub's code um, was something that I was really keen on, um, mainly because I felt that self-regulation didn't have enough memory. So it wasn't giving a desired effect. It was It was very difficult for pub tenants in trouble to repeat um you know the the problems and if you like and get the same results so so for me statutory intervention was was something that was essential for the trade to bring about this memory and repeatability um so people could have confidence uh, the other really big event um you know during the last sort of decade has been 
Heineken taking over Punch, yep. um, which is a major, major move by a major, major brewer. Um, and that's clearly changed the landscape. And, and there have been uh, very notable effects um, from where I sit, um, albeit they haven't really been reported very widely. But um, they've definitely been making themselves felt in the market. Um, and Heineken have been, you know, doing what Heineken have done for many, many years, being very commercially aggressive. So, so there are two massive changes in the last decade. Um, there's obviously been uh, year on year some stellar growth from microbreweries and you know, people coming in it from the production side. Um, so there's been a lot of interesting new players. I mean, it seemed that when I first got involved uh, a decade ago, the, the sort of microbreweries was, you know, a couple of companies really that sprung to mind. Dark Star yep. was one, you know, that was really, really prominent in the southeast. Uh, back then and that came to my attention quite early on and then I was made aware of um, a Pilgrim Brewery which was set up by Dave Roberts who um, was given an award at the SEBA 40th anniversary um, and Dave Roberts again is a guy that has created quite a big shift in the trade and um, with uh, the introduction of uh, Small Brewers Relief SBR back in 2002 now um, so so yeah so so the noughties and the well if you like the 21st century has been there's been quite a few changes, but undoubtedly, I think the biggest change yet to come is a competition inquiry into the wholesale beer market. We could definitely do with one, and I think that would help many, many pubs and microbreweries um, with you know opening up the market and bringing about some independence and a lot more fairness, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. Mm. So it, it kind of feels like that's kind of going on hold for a bit now because of... COVID-19, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a topic that I think is at the forefront of everybody's mind at the moment. You, you can't escape the news cycle. Social media is full of it. There's a lot of anxiety. Again, I'm sure you had conversations like I did at BRX um, of people being like, what What does this mean? What's this going to mean for the pub trade? I mean, from, from your understanding, obviously it's changing all the time. I'm aiming to get this podcast out as early as I can this week, um, but just for the benefit of the the tape we're recording this on monday the 16th of march uh, by the time you're hearing this who knows what would have happened um but just from where we're stood here and now today this week what are the ramifications of covid19 on the beer industry based on the data we have at this time um potentially uh, the government are looking at large gatherings of people so certain business sectors um are going to be affected and the government may force those businesses to close. There may actually be legal action, if you like, to bring about that. So some of it is obviously being done, um, you know, almost voluntary. Uh, football, for example, playing behind closed doors. You know, these are large groups of people meeting up. Um, und undoubtedly, there are music venues um, and concerts and other tours which are going to be postponed and other types of sporting events other than football, um, which seem to be largely um, put back now and, and may be delayed indefinitely, you know, and may not even occur in, the, in this year. So the the issue for me is one of, um, if if you're a business owner looking at this, is is what to prioritise. And I've, I've had a background, you know, before I got into the pub trade of um, dealing with debt and debt advice. So, so reprioritizing finance is key, cash flow and cash is king. And that's really where I would be starting to look at this from the small business perspective, which is most of the people that, you know, I think you and me both uh, deal with and speak to. Mm. Um, and I think 
the government's advice um, has been picked up and mashed about in a, in a bit of a spin dryer <laughs> by all number of news agencies and news feeds. And I think, you know, there's like a spectrum of advice, you know, for any individual topic about whether or not you should go out and, you know, go and see elderly relatives, go shopping, take kids to school. Um, so I think this all comes as a, as a, as a sort of, you know, a massive tsunami of information. And that, that in itself causes problems. My sort of whole background of advice giving, um, you know, there's a couple of key points that I've always been fully aware of, and that is that advice is to be successful. It needs to be phased correctly. Badly phased advice is just wasted. Um, and also it, it mustn't be overwhelming. Um, if you give too much advice in one go, it can blow people off completely. So in an effort to sort of draw some sort of sense and logic to how people should arrange their business affairs, um, any advice that's given out really needs to be falling back onto those two points. It needs to be, you know, phased correctly and it doesn't need to be overwhelming. And I think we're all facing an overwhelming amount of information, you know, you, me, um, and all the other businesses that I speak with. Um, and it's coming at them so thick and fast that it, it's really hard to disseminate uh, truth and fiction. And I think when that happens, uh, my view is to go to official statutory sources of information, almost to not disregard what, what might be in the media, but to basically just allow yourself to sort of rely upon the statutory sources um, and that's what I've been trying to do um, in the last sort of, 24 hours is, is produce a link or a thread of statutory information for people. And that, you know, people should be reviewing that um, rather than trying to just, you know, search for everything. Um, I think it's just it's utterly beyond the individual um, to to absorb it all, you know. And obviously issues that are going on in other countries are probably of interest, but how relevant are they? You know, if, for example, you're a publican or a brewer, you know, operating in Birmingham, you know, how essential is it to know what's going on in Italy? You know, I think I think our capacity to absorb information and use it is, is very, very sorely tested when you're confronted with lots of information. And some of it is international, you know, far flung, if you like. Um, and it's difficult, it's difficult to sort of work a path around it. But for my money, if I was a business owner uh, in this crisis today, uh, number one, I would be uh, looking to claim on any insurance policies that I have. If you're paying for insurance, claim on it. Simple as that. Get the claim forms in, start to uh, put together a claim and send it off to the insurers. It's free. I mean, they don't charge you for claiming, you know. Um, so, you know, I, I would be definitely analysing policies. I think for those that rent uh, property, um, I think the number two is to uh, be looking at your lease and be looking for clauses that can help assist um, you. I mean, the number one clause that used to be used in, in older leases was force majeure, hmm. uh, you know, which was the, if you like, the acts of God. But obviously what falls underneath acts of God also includes acts of government. Um, and there are, they have largely fallen away in newer leases, but there are um, conditions in leases that comply with public laws, um, i.e. the government is directing you because you have a certain type of business or you operate that business in a certain type of way not to open. Um, so we touched upon like football grounds earlier. You know, there's potential there that uh, 
people that are renting football grounds from commercial landlords, if they're ordered under public law not to open, um, to have large gatherings, they may actually have cover under their leases. So lease interpretation, actually, you know, going through your lease, I think is pretty crucial. Um, if people can't get legal advice on that and, you know, are going to struggle to nail down a lawyer to have a look and go and do interpretation, I, th I think there's no harm in writing a letter to your landlord and, you know, asking them what cover is under the agreement. I'm sure an awful lot of commercial landlords will be looking at their agreements, um, you know, as, as much as tenants should be. But I think those two early ports of call kind of allow you to focus on a couple of key points, check your insurance and check your lease. Um, because, you know, if you are covered there, that can help enormously. Um, the other big thing that's come in is statutory money, um, public money, if you like, money payable to local authorities, the Treasury, government, etc. It seems that there's a, a moratorium developing um, amongst HMRC especially, that they are not going to be issuing penalties for late payments. So this does open up the prospect of um, bills to PAYE, national insurance, VAT, etc., corporation tax, as being a bit more of a, a an interest-free period, you know, where you can make part payments rather than uh, full payments, you know. Um, and I think that's quite handy for people's cash flow. Um, and there seems to be a number of uh, messages coming back now from HMRC on their website about this issue. So um, that that seems to be what's happened in the in the last. Yeah, 36 hours. Yeah. Uh, government have definitely eased off people who are not able to pay statutory uh, payments, if you like, public money. And local authorities probably be in the same boat, national, so non-domestic rates, um, you know, breweries and obviously those operating pubs, their business rates. There was a raft of measures in the budget last week uh, designed to give relief. If you're not uh, getting 100% relief, under the what was proposed in the budget, um, I would thoroughly recommend uh, contacting the rates department of your local authority and explaining the circumstances and saying I will only be able to make a part payment or you know a, a token payment for now. Again, I don't think they're going to be pushing very hard with penalties or threats um, because it's actually the beginning of a new financial year, as you're aware, coming up in yeah. April. So um, largely, uh, some people have not received their bills. You know, um, I've got a few people have. I think council tax bills came out first and then business rate bills are starting to sort of eke out. But if you've received one and you're worried, um, let's assume you are a business that's due to pay it. I think first port call, contact the local authority, explain the situation and say that, you know, I will not be in a position to make a full payment. Yeah. Um, you know, lower the expectation. That's that's kind of key for me. And it brings about some form of strategy, because if you haven't got one, that creates stress in itself. So business owners need to sort of break apart, you know, the situation in front of them and, and start to look at it in terms of a strategy. And if you can follow it, it does bring some comfort, <laughs> you know, to uh, have a pathway and actually, you know, use it and be able to pick it up because otherwise you're starting every day from scratch. Yeah. Um, and that's chaotic and, and that leads to quite stressful uh, situations and, and, and often poor decisions. But, um, but yeah, try and try and chew chew it backwards from statutory information, public money, um, and making sure that if you're renting property, that you've spoken with or at least written to your landlord um, and ask them if there's anything under the lease agreement that you operate with regards to 
um, you know, complying with public laws, etc. I yeah. think yeah, it's a good port of call to begin with. So, in your opinion, just how concerned should beer businesses be? You know, looking and and looking through the supply chain, like how how disruptive from short to medium term do you see this being? Because again, like because we're looking into such an unknown void, and anything is possible. And 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 if your glass is half empty, which let's face it, a lot a lot of people's glasses are half empty. Um, you know, it's there aren't many positive outlooks out there at the moment of like, oh, I'm going to weather the storm, it'll be fine. You know, a lot of what I'm seeing online is people who, who are worried, you know, and, and I guess rightly so. But like, how, in your opinion, um, concerned should people be? Gosh, well, I, I think it's probably the most concerning business, um, you know, situation ever. You know, or at least within a, a generation, it's just well, more than a generation. I'm thinking back that, you know, it, you would have to go back to the Second World War, wouldn't you, really, mm. to think of an, an equally catastrophic um, sort of problem facing businesses. Um, so nothing really in our lifetime that can compare to this. Um, but I think I think there's a degree of uh, panic which is set in, you know, with certain uh, messages which is causing. Um, you know, further panic, if you like, you know, it kind of is a breeding ground, isn't it? It's very febrile. Um, and, and that in itself is something that I think you have to resist somewhat and focus on what's achievable, not what's impossible. Um, you know, if, if you start focusing on the impossibilities, um, you know, it becomes it becomes quite hopeless quite quickly. So, yeah, I, th- I think you have to do things that are within your reach rather than, you know, um, sort of sitting down with a group of mates and trying to work out a cure. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just not viable, is it? Mm. Um, for the average businessman and woman, it's, it's something, you know, we're all going to get, um, you know, pulled into. I mean, one of the other aspects, I suppose, is that, you know, brewers especially are in a supply chain. They're, they, they produce food. Um, so, you know, they are reliant upon uh, the raw products getting to them in the first place. I mean, I shouldn't think a lot of breweries hold a lot of stock, you know, of, of grain, for example. Um, you know, it, it's pretty much um, just in time, isn't it, for an awful lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> it seems that farming, you know, is largely going to be, um, I wouldn't say uh, affected, but not effect is not the right word. Um, farming has pretty much got business as usual. You know, crops are in the ground, livestock is livestock. You know, the, the, those businesses are going to sort of carry on without um, the same level of disruption as those that are making products that are due to be sold or put out for sale, you know, in the next sort of four to six weeks. Um, the last thing you want to do is produce a load of perishable food foodstuffs that, you know, is going to rot, rot on a shelf, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's, it's an absolutely crazy um, sort of bit of dice rolling that some businesses got to do. I mean, even if you own your own venues and you've got your own outlet, you know, your own tap, for example, um, there's there's a there comes a point where you know what happens if you know a public order or public law is made to close. Um, <laughs> so you could have made your own products for your own venues, but still not be able to sell it. Um, I mean, that leads me on to my next question, because I was, I was going to ask what do you think the outbreak and closing of public spaces will do to pubs and bars and tap rooms in particular? Because until recently, like having for a brewery in particular, having a tap room was like, or, you know, a pub or a set of pubs was like, if you don't have that, then you're going to really struggle in the beer business going into the 
2020s but now even that seems out of the window at the moment at least um with the potential of pub closures yeah. um i mean what 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 do you think even for a short space of time um if, if let's say by the time this goes out or next week um the government say we're, we're closing all public bars and restaurants for three weeks yeah well that's gonna that's gonna crystallize your burn rate so all businesses burn money yeah even if they're not open so yeah if something like that happens that just crystallizes that there's no income coming in effectively mm. so the burn rate needs to be turned down to the minimum it's like it's just like a you know a gas jet you've just got to nip it off as quickly and as hard as possible um so yeah if you're facing a catastrophic uh, closure event you know forced upon you by by government absolutely you've, you've just got to turn all the taps down as low as possible um you know to, to mitigate that because it's the burn rate that's largely going to cause business failure hmm. um reserves in some sectors are very very low especially uh, with small and micro businesses um you know very few of those businesses have significant reserves of money i mean obviously a large brewer you know regional brewer family brewer for example potentially has got uh, cash to see them through you know for anything up to six months maybe even a year you yeah. know with no income but that's that's extremely unlikely um in in the case of um small independent businesses so so yeah i think you know this is a, a chance for people to um assess right now what their burn rate is and do a burn rate based on being open and trading and selling goods and being on a burn rate and being closed uh, they are sort of two different calculations um but you know the the biggest sort of net outlay for a lot of small businesses is going to be in the in you know uh, especially if they're not making any sales it's going to be in rent you know and making those payments to local authorities and that so all of that would have to be cut it's quite drastic but it seems the alternative is what you know you just simply handing over cash you don't really have and it dwindles away and the business is no longer solvent mm. um so yeah burn rate number one you know know your burn rate know exactly where you are um uh, with regards to that issue but it, it seems almost i mean you know and this is me sort of talking personally rather than from any position of authority but it seems to me that if the government do go for a closure event i think the backlash on it will be so great and so swift um that i, I pretty much see it being rescinded quite quickly yeah um that's my feeling of it i think that there, are, there is a there is a momentum to this um, push by government, which gives it an air of in inevitability that you feel like they yeah they're going to do that, um, and I think the advice behind it is probably pretty weak and poor and it's quite reactionary. You know, it's 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 got extreme edges to it, of course, and they're understandably extreme. But I was I was a little mystified looking at the news and seeing that pubs in Ireland were told to close, but the churches didn't. Yep. Um, <laughs> that was kind of, you know, I'm really puzzled by that um, because if surely if the gathering and meeting of people is absolutely fundamental to stopping the spread, then why are churches open? Mm. You know, and I'm not picking on churches any more than any other sort of potential place for people to gather, but I don't know what swimming pools in Ireland, were they open? You know, there potentially could be a, a busy weekend, hundreds of people milling around in a leisure centre, um, you know, and so on and so on. So so there's some very mixed messages there coming out about businesses closing because it doesn't seem to be applied evenly. 
um, which makes me think that the decision making behind it is not great. It's a little poor. It's, it's sort of slapped together, and it's like a wish list. Yeah, um, and and you know that's um, that makes me think that even if it does happen, it's largely going to be uh, a, a real temporal thing, and then it's going to come back on. Um, and and I think undoubtedly, everybody you know who's an adult, um, whether they like it or not, or whether they voted for it or not has an elected representative um your feelings you know whether whether you're political or not should be known um, and you should make them very clear as to how this event is affecting your business um and your family and i'm not saying everyone should write on mass to your mp but i think i think you do have to you know uh, get your point across that the government's action is not helpful for your sector, whatever your sector is, you know, mm. um, and, and not just wait to be asked or, or wait to be counted, you know, later on. Um, you know, this is your time to sort of step up and, and say something. And as I say, it doesn't really matter who you voted for, even if you didn't. Um, you know, there's that opportunity to put your point across, but just do it succinctly. You know, don't don't write a magnum opus you know of <laughs> just kind of keep it down to one two paragraphs nice brief succinct um but i think a closure event has got to have you know a, a huge number of people reacting and writing and, and contacting government and saying no way because i just don't see how those businesses can survive and i'm i'm not really sure how the the how the science you know is being applied equally to different types of businesses where people gather it just looks it looks a little odd at the moment, yes. and that's understandably because there is a lot of chaos. Um, you know, governments are big machines. Um, you know, if you went to walk into, I don't know, the you know, the biggest business local to you, I suspect if you spoke to people on the shop floor up, right up to the executive level, you would find conflicting and confusing positions. So I don't suspect government is much different to a very large organisation. You know, there are going to be people who say everyone should go home. There are going to be people saying, well, we've taken all appropriate measures. There's no problem. It's business as usual. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I made an inquiry with a legal friend earlier today about uh, the high courts um, in the Strand in London, Royal Courts of Justice, for example, and, and uh, this business as usual. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of people going into that building, you know, um, on a daily basis. Um, it's a very, very busy building. Yeah. So, um, again, you know, there's there's nothing to suggest there um, that, you know, there's a, there's a great problem because otherwise I think it would have closed. But the procedures, I think, the sensible ones about hygiene, hand washing, um, you know, if you've got a new cough, you know, if you start running a temperature, yeah, you know, don't go contacting people and going to public. I think this is all very sensible, um, you know, and, and, and that's that's probably that sometimes the simplest ideas are the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's complicated to close thousands of businesses, put it that way. So I guess two questions off the back of that. What can pubs, bars and tap rooms do to reassure people at this time? And secondly, if there's a mass closure of of bars um is this the end of the british pub as we know it <laughs> well yeah so um well the first one i mean you know adopt adopt all the relevant health uh, standards and hygiene i mean i just would hope normal businesses were doing that anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. i've seen a lot of stuff online about like uh, our staff are like now washing their hands and and doing this that and the other thing it's like 
What were you doing before? Were you like licking them or something? <laughs> Absolutely. I just I just think that's just kind of normal. But but you know, I think you need to give good signage to people where people get confused and perhaps worried and upset you know a lack of signage is often part of that so however you convey that message that you are a thoughtful compliant hygienic business that has good standards and you have nothing to fear by coming here enjoying our venue products etc then yeah you know get that message out in the in, in in as many different ways as possible um, but, you know, obviously don't put skull and crossbones and say things like, you know, if you don't wash your hands, you're going to die. I mean, that's not helpful. <laughs> but, you know, so it, it, take a measured approach about it, but get the message across that that's how you're going to be. And I think, you know, you and me both um, saw a good example of how this was handled by SIBA, um, yeah. you know, at the BRX conference and how uh, James Calder and his team managed to get that across in a very short space of time. And I think generally it, it was great. It was probably very stressful for them, you know, running around. But uh, I think we all, you know, took it on in the spirit as which it was intended. We all understood what was trying to be achieved and we all took part in it. And um, and that's really what you want from your customers, you know. Um, and, and it was good learning curve. And I just hope that many of those businesses that went to that event have, you know, managed to take a leaf from that book and adopt it into their businesses um at, at least to prove that you know you you can do what's required um the second part of your question about you know <laughs> is it the end of the british pub um it, it, it could be the end of those that businesses that are running them i mean it won't knock the businesses down but those businesses and tenants that are occupying those buildings potentially yeah um you know they could go out of business if their burn rate is too high and government interaction or intervention is, is too draconian, too strong. Um, yeah, it could indeed push a whole bundle of people out of business. Mm. Um, they could be insolvent. Um, it may be that the landlords or property owners face an invidious situation whereby they might simply have to let people go bust and then just sign them up to a new agreement and let them trade on. Because it's not like if somebody doesn't pay you that you're going to kick them out and find a tenant right now who's got money and staff who's going to come in and trade the premises. I mean, how's that going to? That's just not logical, is it? No, yeah, yeah that's a good point. It's the worst time ever to start a business, isn't it? I yeah. mean, especially a food one. Um, it would just seem absolutely crazy um, and, and financially suicidal for the for the owners of these premises, not, not, just, not just the tenants that are operating it them so um yeah i mean these this is a big shock you know to a lot of small businesses at a time where i think this sector has been you know the the, the sort of you know the beer sector if you like has been quite dysfunctional there's a lot of low margins that people are operating under in an effort to chase down volume growth etc so so they're probably acutely exposed um some of those businesses to to this shock um, because they they are you know uh, reinvesting any profit they do make back into the growth of the business. Well, that's a absolute perfect segue into this question. I was going to ask what gaping holes in the way the industry operates has this time of international crisis exposed. So obviously that's one you've just said right there. But what mm. um, what, what other uh, dysfunctions has has this coronavirus exposed in the beer industry? Um, well, probably that 
um, a lot of breweries don't have a wide enough customer base. You know, they're too reliant upon a, a particular narrow, you know, segment of customers for their for their sales. Um, you know, perhaps overly reliant on one individual supermarket, for example. You know, mm. to be selling their beer, etc. So, so yeah, a very narrow sort of customer base. You know, and I, I don't mean in terms of how many customers that ultimately buy your product, but just how that product is positioned in the marketplace you know it, you know it, unfortunately you can't absorb the shocks you know if you you know i'm thinking back to some years ago i helped some guys whose sole business was making chocolate and that just sounds like an ideal industry doesn't it you know <laughs> chocolate for a living i mean that's that's right up there isn't it with with craft brewing yeah <laughs> and uh, but they had one customer which was like british airways and you know used to sell chocolates to um british airways so they're massively overexposed, you know, to mm. any cancellation or change in that uh, relationship. So, so actually, width is more important. And, and I suppose this brings me back to a comment I made at the beginning about, you know, I would like to see a, a competition inquiry into the wholesale beer market because it would seem that uh, independents are not getting enough of the cake. You know, they're not getting a fair share of the market. And so they are pushed into corners, tight little corners where it's uncomfortable. And there's there's an awful lot of people fighting over the same business. Um, and and so, you know, there's there's been a big push. You just know recently for people to open up like micro pubs. Um, this is because they can't get access to, to normal pubs. Yep. So they're having to kind of reshape, you know, and an awful lot of brewers are flipping into um, canning, you know, and then flipping into retailing. Again, this is all because of a lack of access to the kind of, you know, the, the usual uh, market of the on-trade. And the on-trade is in decline, but I think it's declining um, for, for several reasons. But one of them is anti-competitiveness. It's not just about people drinking less alcohol. You know, um, there is there is a problem of, you know, consumers are being uh, getting a bit bored of seeing the same sort of, you know, three or four companies um, you know, with 90% of the market. Mm. So it's it's there to be pulled apart, but that's a very slow solution. You know, a competition inquiry is not going to happen quick. But if this is a catalyst to, to getting it started, you know, then if there ever was a silver lining, then let's take it, you know, as a trade. I mean, I, I you know, I love pubs and brewing and, and everything. And my, my children, you know, my adult children have worked in the industry and, um, it's where I met my wife in a pub, you know, <laughs> my local MP was a publican, you know, and stuff like that. It's just, it's the stuff of Britain. And I cannot, I, I literally cannot see a future without it. Um, and the on trade, you know, um, is, is uniquely special, I think, in Britain and the way we go about it. But there has been this creeping unfairness and, and lack of, you know, competitive practices and, you know, that has built up since 1989, which was the last time um, there was a look at this market. So, you know, if, if I was going to write one letter to, to government, it was this, you know, that we would like um, a competition review, you know. And yep. I, I think this shock here shows up the cracks. Um, the For some people, it'll be a very swift exit from the industry, I'm sure. And for others, they might linger for a while and then the shock of it might kill them off anyway. You know, but later on, um, I, I remember speaking with an insurer um, at an event, a trade event, or probably a decade ago, and he said to me that 
um, of businesses that have a closure event, as in back then he was referring to fire, flood, you know, (laughs) those normal closure events, not this one, um, that most of those businesses, like three quarters of them, even if they reopen, they go out of business in the preceding, in the the following 12 months. Why is that? Just because it's too big a hit on their cash flow, it Mm. just knocks them off immediately and they don't they the insurance never covers 100 percent of what they've lost and so they never get back in front so they can't realize their investment you know they're persistently in debt um it perhaps gets more expensive to operate because of that you know the bank changes the lending facilities um and and this just knocks them and that's it they may even lose you know um uh, loyalty, customer loyalty can be knocked. You know, if people drift away because you're shut and go somewhere else and start doing something else instead, it's very hard to win back that business. You know, business is hard won and hard fought for. It, it doesn't just walk through the door. I mean, you know, there are some very fortunate uh, business models where p- perhaps or even business products where that can happen. You know, you can become the flavor of the month um, and people literally seek you out. But for the majority of people, it was hard fought, hard won for stuff. And any sort of closure event sets that back. Um, you know, as, as consumers will move and, and try and adopt and do different things. Yeah. Um, and it's like a giant tide, I suppose. It's going to slop in and it's going to slop out. Um, and it's going to drag some things away with it. Um, you know, so it's maybe not the greatest of analogy, but it, it's definitely here and it's arrived. Um, and and I'm, I'm hoping perhaps more than perhaps I should that government will do a sensible thing and take, you know, good, reasonable advice. And there's been plenty of voices in the trade. I hardly need to add my my name to them, but they've been shouting at government, you know, very early on about this um, and how it's going to acutely hit hospitality and the drinks trade. Hmm. So um, I hope they've listened. I mean, what the hell? I mean, (laughs) that's that's the thing, having a voice. Are they listening? Let's hope so. Uh, which which kind of breweries do you think will be worst affected by this pandemic and how can brewers adapt to the changes and safeguard themselves and their businesses going forward? Goodness. Well, um, I know it's like the silver bullet. Everyone's on the edge of the seat now. Like, please tell us, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness me. Well, I mean, hindsight is perfect vision, isn't it? I suspect that, those that have got lots of product for the off sales or the off trade, you know, that are canned and bottled, um, as long as they can distribute those products into supermarkets, I can't see supermarkets being closed. Mm. So I think, I think there, there's a cushion there. I mean, they are low margin products generally anyway, and you need to sell them in volume. So even though you may have those products, if you can't ship them in sufficient volume, it may not be good enough anyway. Um, it, it's, you know, it's a bit of a flip thing, I suppose, you know, if your business was set up to, um, you know, sell more into the off trade, you probably are slightly better off, but I think it comes with a huge caveat, <laughs> you know, because if, if 50% of people aren't going to shop as regularly or, or perhaps they've lost their jobs or can't go into work and, you know, they're not going to, I think discretionary spending on, you know, luxury goods, is definitely going to bomb. Um, it's a question of whether or not beer is a luxury. I mean, for some people, it's essential. It's 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 something they do all the time. It's you know, as I often refer to, it's liquid bread, isn't it? Mm. Um, so for some people, it's it's how they, you know, uh, cope with the strains and stresses of life. You know, it's a, it's a form of self medication. It, it's very acceptable. It's 
it's got a lot of bonuses going for it. Um, so I don't, I don't know if it's going to be, um, uh, suffice to say one form of brewing's more safe than another. <laughs> um, that, that's a real tough call. I mean, you know, I, th- I think about even the big brewers, big regional brewers, they have lots of staff, lots of draymen, um, big plant, huge amounts of product, you know, um, for them, it's, it, it, it could be a quite a big hit quite quickly. I think it's knowing when to turn off the taps, you know, and, and to, to, as we say, we spoke about earlier, turn the gas down, you know, um, adjust your burn rate. Um, you know, you don't want to be left with a load of perishable products sitting in the yard that are going to go out of date, you know, and be unsaleable, mm. even, even if um, trade does pick back up, um, you know, and, and that's... Um, yeah, it's a scary thought, really, um, that maybe none of the breweries are immune from from this. I mean, I spoke with one brewer, um, I won't mention by name, but they had an entertainment venue, you know, that was very key to their brewery. And, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, maybe even a thousand or more people a week, you know, would use their facilities and their venue. Um, that's going to be a big hit. You know, there was money money being made there as well. You know, there was obviously cross-subsidizing and propping up the activities of the brewer so um you know it's potential that even even really you know popular brewers with good distribution um they might disproportionately get hit because they've got um another you know angle to their business which is reliant upon you know uh, people coming to their venue um so you know it's it it's hard to see how they interconnect but undoubtedly this is a time for men and women to stand up and really, really get to grip with the fundamentals of their business and, um, you know, make very, very important decisions, but make them, make them with knowledge, you know, um, but, you know, I don't think you're going to get good advice by, you know, reading crazy sort of <laughs> listicles, you know, on Buzzfeed or somewhere else, you mm. know, yeah. that's a good source of information. And you don't. You only have so much time in a day to assess these things and make yeah. these decisions. But but whatever, draw up draw up a plan. Have a plan. Have a strategy. Um, don't just try and start every day from fresh. You know, um, try and execute a plan. It does bring a great degree of comfort um, to people in a crisis um, to have a plan and to work from it. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think there's a proactive response that you need to have as a business. I mean, I know I know for me, I've been thinking right. Okay, well, how do I go forward as some as somebody who offers the services to the beer industry mm. you know this has come along it's like okay you know how am I going to pivot um and I, I do think the the ones that can pivot and 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 plan accordingly quickly um and then test to see if that works and then if it's not you know tw- tweak it slightly until you find the right way through I think those ones will come out a bit better than like you say people who are just Stood around every morning, being like crap. Make yeah. crap, crap. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I mean, you know, this is a great conversation. I mean, you and me should be doing it over a pint in a pub. I mean, you know, yeah, yeah. there's a scenario. But you know, if there is a pub out there, or any number of pubs or venues with good function meeting rooms, and that, why not try and set yourself up right now in your local area as your sort of, you know, uh, COVID headquarters. You know. So some other businesses and people can come, you know, have good hygiene standards, you know, adopt all the safe principles, um, you know, and, and get loads and start networking with lots of other small businesses, get them to come in and put heads together, you know, mm. um, 
see, you know, because if, if, you know, one particular region, you know, you can approach your um, local government, local authority, you know, and, and get in place, you know, support and help um, en masse, then do it. You know, it, it, it can feel very isolating. I mean, the government is obviously talking about isolating, but that in itself covers inherent problems because people then do retreat into um, their silos and things, um, you know, and, and that's not a good place to be for some yeah. for some business owners, for sure. Um, I'm not, not, not even certain that, you know, uh, cancelling schools and all of those things are particularly helpful either because I think parents will eventually, you know, get at the end of their tether and go out with their kids somewhere, you know, <laughs> go to some venue, anywhere that's open, you know. Mm. Um, so it's kind of counterproductive in a way. Um, it, it's a strange, it is a strange thing to know what to do. And, you know, and I speak as a, someone who's got children, you know, and I'm a grandfather as well. So, yeah. um, you know, it does, it does, does sort of wear away in your brain a little, but, some of these things are macro. They're too big for small businesses. Um, they are decisions of state. They're massive. Yeah. Um, and, and you just have to be a little relaxed about the fact that people are there who have spent years and years and years planning um, to deal with these scenarios. And they have to be given the opportunity to execute their plans, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we have to draw some comfort from that. But there's nothing to stop you on an individual basis having your own plan. Um, and, and, you know, that's... Um, that's key, but undoubtedly, I think the, the spectrum of advice coming forward from a variety of different news feeds is that, you know, potentially when they use words like lockdown, you know, what does lockdown mean? Does it mean we're under curfew? It's going to be armed soldiers walking the streets telling you to go home? I mean, you know, that's kind of, it, it's it's strange to quantify what lockdown means. I'm really you know? hoping it will be like a lock-in at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want a lock-in, not a lock-in. Yeah. But, I mean, well, if, if, if there is a, a lockdown or a quarantine or a shutdown or what, whatever it is where it's kind of like people, unless you're, like, going to work or to the shop or whatever, like, you know, you're not, you're not supposed to go out and, and some businesses are kind of, basically having to shut their doors like what should those business owners in particular do to invest their time in their business um because i mean like i said with the burn rate they might not necessarily want to financially have a huge outlay or anything but they've obviously got to have time on their hands like what kind of things can beer businesses do with that time to i guess set themselves up for potential future growth you know if the weather storm and all the rest of it um you know th there's a lot of businesses that actually come out of times of recession yeah, I think I think it's a it's a very important thing for any any you know right-minded human to do is to be very optimistic. Half the glass is half full, you know, and look forward. And I think an element of future planning, you know, once we come out the other side of this um, current you know outbreak, I think is essential. Yeah, I think I think that's a very healthy thing to do. <laughs> I would thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, um, you know, because the alternative is not that great. Um, you know, sitting sort of believing the end of the world is nice. It's, um, it, it's not helpful, you know, um, and especially those that have got children. That I don't think it's right to walk around, uh, you know, catastrophizing in front of young children. You know, mm. um, I don't think they need that stress. Yeah, um, you need to insulate yourself a bit, those around you. You know, but that's not to not to be living in a fantasy land, but I think, you know, what you've pointed out there about future planning and yeah, seeing what you could do once, once the, yeah, the government, the skids come off and life gets back to normal. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not a bad idea to plan. Um, you know, I, th I think, you know, the, the, there used to be that phrase, it was a little cheesy, but, you know, um, you know, businesses don't plan to fail. They just fail to plan. Yes. No, my, my <laughs> wife's a teacher. She says it all the time. Okay. Yeah. You it's know. been around since before I was born. That's for sure. And it's a, it, it's a very relevant thing. And we do live in a country, you know, Great Britain has an enormous amount of, uh, you know, independent, small SME, but self-employed business owners and operators, you know, a lot of giggers and gig economy type people and that there's, a, there's an enormous number of that. So, um, so I think, you know, when there are pockets of the country which are dominated by state or public employment, you know, public sector, um, and, and they're obviously going to be quite insulated, you know, if you work for the NHS, the police, the army, you know, for et cetera, um, you know, life pretty much is going to go on as normal. Mm. Uh, you know, but but obviously it's going to feel slightly strange, you know, if all the services around you are being shut down, you know, um, and, and undoubtedly um, I think resilience is not just about having money in the bank. Resilience is a life skill. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not to be sort of too preachy or coachy about it, but, you know, you do have to draw upon your your resilience, your inner strengths here, um, you know, especially in this crisis and, and, and do things that are meaningful and structured, you know, but um, I, I know we all have our limits. You know, there comes a point where it's exhausting mentally to continuously think about it and go over and over it. And I, I, I did take um, some comfort from the fact a lot of people had said that they've actually only listening to the news once a day now and just switching it off yeah <laughs> because otherwise you just you know you just sit there being punched by it you know um and doing nothing and mm. that, that that's very easy habit to get into so so you know um i mean i i hope that whenever the government have made their you know decisions um you know the the advice that comes out is it acted upon you know people do should stick to what the science says you know um and and not what barry down the pub says <laughs> or, or, or chris at the pub's advisory service yeah. might say but, but you know i'm trying to draw a moderate position not not one of sitting on the fence and doing nothing but one of you know being quite pragmatic that the really really big stuff is out of our control yeah uh, you know we can have our say but our voice is one voice of potentially millions so um you know those that have really significant voices you know in the industry you know i'm, I'm thinking of you know ciba is one that springs to mind obviously and there's camera you know from a, a, a consumer a drinking point of view an ale point of view um but for very much pub centric um again another vital output you know for for people's products um they should use their voices you know now is the time to be saying stuff um and, and not sitting and waiting to be asked. Um, you know, it's, uh, this, this sector is important, does employ a lot of people. Um, you know, I think you'll find independent breweries and that per head employ more people than, you know, macro and um, big regional brewers, you yeah. know? Um, so, you know, there is definitely more jobs at stake um, per, per sort of pound, you know, if you like, in the, in the independent sector than there is in the... Um, in the large corporate and, and the big firms. So, um, yeah. so it's disproportionate, but, you know, whatever your voice is, you know, try and get it out there and, and, and they say, make a succinct call. But I think panicking and threatening forever more is not going to achieve a hell of a lot. Um, cause it's going to happen, whatever, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> what's the um, what's the longer term impact of all this, and how much do you think fear and anxiety will linger around, even if COVID nineteen tails off and it just becomes another virus in the arsenal of infectious diseases? Like, um, what what do you think the longer term impact is, both both economically for, for the industry and I guess socially, um, mentally? I know they're huge questions to kind of more or less round this yeah, yeah, episode off. But. Well, I think, I, you know, times tend to sort of um, refer to the short-term and the long-term strategy, you know, that you need to adopt in business. And in the short-term, there will be some casualties that will probably just leave the industry altogether and they won't come back. So they won't need to plan about the future of this industry because they'll have to leave and do something else for a living. Um, those that I think get, uh, to stay in, you know, after after this event. Um, it depends to, to what degree they got burnt by it, you know, mm. or how it affected them. Um, you know, for some of them, it may be such a significant shock and a wake-up call that they might remodel their business. But this is kind of tapping into a little bit about what I was saying about, you know, a, a, a competition inquiry. Because, you know, I think those businesses are acutely exposed to um, shocks like this. You know, they're not broad enough. They don't have a wide enough customer base. Um, and, and that means, you know, that um, in the long, long term, I would say it, not the inquiry is going to fix everything, but I think it will lessen the shocks and allow enable businesses to have a much firmer footing and not be reliant on very, very, you know, uh, thin margins and, and very restrictive sort of customer bases um, that they have to operate within. So, so yeah, it's... I think the, you know, we can do a, put it this way, there, there'll be a, news is so fast, it will want to do a moratorium on this, probably the moment that the numbers start uh, going down in Britain. That'll, that'll be the immediate moratorium from the news industry. I think from a business perspective, um, you, it's not possible to gauge that and probably until 12 months later, because as I explained to you earlier, you know, insurers tell me that, um, you know, people that have had closure events, it doesn't always hit them straight away. It creeps up on them and then catches them, you know, later on, um, and they never recover. So, so there is there's probably a time for detailed reflection about about this. You know, probably a year from now. Um, you know, twelve weeks from now is too soon. I yeah. imagine. You know, it'll be some relief. Don't get me wrong. I'm sure people will be relieved if if you know the numbers of those infected drop and you know the deaths drop um there's always i suppose you know a semblance that these things could return in the winter time you know that's been mooted by more than one um person that's suitably medically qualified in this area you know to comment on it um so they do have a sort of a bounce some of these um you know infections um but this is um it, it's hard if you sustain one shock and you sustain another one. You know, what if it all comes back again in the winter? I don't know. It's, it's too far away to consider it at the moment. Um, yeah. I, I think the short-term planning is is crucial. The burn rate is crucial. Um, try and turn down as much as possible um, and, and, and reduce all of that net outflow. Um, try and keep as much cash as possible. You know, um, that that's for sure if you're going to see it through. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we live in a tremendously collaborative time, don't we, for brewing, you know, <laughs> that's what makes, um, you know, going to um, things like Beer X so enjoyable, because mm. pretty much all the people there, you know, 
large numbers of them have collaborated with somebody there or know somebody or used to be a junior brewer at their brewery and you know um, and they're looking forward to collaborating with somebody in the future and they, you know so people do put their heads together really really well um, and um, I think I think this is an interesting time to, to plan because we've all got these wonderful tools in front of us you know that we never had in previous um, times you know um, I, I can't remember what the numbers were but somebody said to me you know the, the last time there was um, an epidemic was it SARS I think um, one yeah of those. yeah no, I think there so. was only something like 100 million people on Facebook <laughs> seems inconceivable now doesn't it yeah <laughs> so the, the ability for people to sort of put heads together collaborate work together you know share resources um, you know make a big noise I think when when appropriate to get their business back on footing is probably really you know I think the brewing industry's probably got a unique position for that um, I don't think a lot of other businesses have that level of you know uh, heads together and collaborativeness and that's what makes it I think very enjoyable yeah. you know um, for sure so I think that's a really good positive thing to, to drag out of all of this um, you know and uh, I'm, I'm mindful that um, the situation could get worse. Of course it could. Um, mm. But, you know, if it does, it's of a magnitude that's beyond the individual to cope with, really. It's it's just down to government now to bail it out and to cope with it. Um, but, you know, at the moment, you know, you're, I think for those that are um, heavily invested and have spent thousands of man hours and a great deal of sweat and and, you know, thinking about their, their their sector their business what they've done um for some of them yeah they're gonna have to um probably put a, a, a lot more effort in you know it sounds crazy but you know it's coming um it's coming down to that so there's some big calls to be made from people big decisions yeah um, and I, I you know i'm hoping that i can pick up as much as possible with regards to you know good reliable sources of information that are not too crazy um you know what they're saying and and people can have a look at that you know i've been tweeting as you know today um and uh, put some information up on the facebook page as well and these are all these statutory sources of information uh, for people to go and read so um take you know, take an hour today to do a bit of forward planning, I think, um, you know, make it a habit. And so if a good thing comes of it, maybe in the future, the way to avoid these future problems is the regular sort of thinking and planning, you know, around sort of closure events becomes normal, you know, um, becomes something that people adopt um, and have a strategy for it. Well, uh, I mean, I remember speaking to one person ages ago and i said um like a, a brewer and i said what's your disaster plan i mean this we're, we're talking a couple of years ago now and he was like well we don't, well, we don't have a disaster plan you, you know you, you don't need to be so negative i'm like you, you need to have a disaster plan it's like what what happens if you get like terminally ill it's like oh, i'm not intending on getting terminally ill <laughs> it's like well no one intends on getting terminally ill you know but like um but i'm, I'm always amazed that um you know, I, I speak to people and if I, if I ask if they've got a disaster plan or what's their mm. exit plan, they don't, they don't have one. Well, um, I mean, you know, I suppose if it's any sort of um, parallel, you know, back when I was dealing with people, you know, with debt and financial problems, um, the thing that used to surprise me a lot was insurance, that how many people who had commitments, you know, they had a wife or children and didn't have any life cover, but they were insuring their mobile phone or their dog. <laughs> wow yeah 
And I was just astounded because actually insuring the family was cheaper than insuring their latest gadget or, or their dog. And so reprioritize, you know, this does happen in life. People just get the wrong priority um, on things. So, you know, when you're talking about disaster planning, you know, not all events are insurable. Okay. Mm. That's true. They're not. There are plenty of people with insurance policies who are finding out right now that they're not covered for this eventuality. So it does fall on government to deal with that and bail that out. That's that's the reality of it. Um, so, you know, I think reassess your insurance, reassess what is insurable, you know, um, etc but yeah to have a completely fatalistic sort of approach of oh well i'm never going to get ill or <laughs> you know um i just think that's just a bit crazy um yeah well, <laughs> I, I mean it's, it's, I, it's I quite an extreme example but <laughs> well you know i say it's extreme it's very common but you know the problem is i think the insurance industry has been much mal- maligned and and has had its fair share of mis-selling you know ppi was not good mm. was not good <laughs> um for for the insurance industry but you know, things like life, critical illness, things like that, business interruption. I think, you know, people do need to um, taking stock and assessing policy cover um, and making sure they buy good quality policies. I mean, I've always been a great fan of using an insurance broker to buy a policy, not to do it myself online, because if I get it wrong online myself, I, I, I've got no recourse. Whereas if I've instructed a broker and they've got my uh, shopping list of what I need. If they do it wrong, then I've got recourse. Yeah. So you can indemnify yourself better by using a broker to 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 buy insurance rather than shopping around on you know price comparison websites. Because if that's wrong and you you didn't quite pick up on the subtle wording or the policy cover wasn't there, you've only got yourself to blame. You know you are stuck. Um, so so yeah, you know. Um, I'm not an insurance salesman, but the benefit of it is quite enormous because you know, when you need to call upon it, um, it needs to be correct and it needs to work. Mm. So I think there's a good good point to um, for people to have a look look back through policies and, and check that out. It sounds so grown up, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I've got to spend my afternoon reassessing my insurance. Um, well, but, if, you go, if you go to lockdown, forward slash lock in, um, plenty well, of time exactly. over a well, beer. You know, I mean, the strange thing is... Um, uh, you know, there's another great phrase that I picked up on some years ago. It's economic power that makes you an adult. So, you know, if you just leave it to fate and oh well, something will happen. It's very, very, um, you know, classic of, of the sort of childish like way of thinking. You know, um, so you know, using insurance and and shopping around, make sure you get the, the right cover in place for the right reasons is is a very adult thing to do. You know, um, and it's more important as and when you get commitments, you know, family, children, your own business, staff, etc. Um, you know, it, it's one of those important jobs. Um, and, it, you know, it's quite a number of these things. Um, the, the impact of them is lessened with good with good cover. That, that's for sure. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, th- thanks for being on the podcast today, Chris. Um, oh, my, well, last question. Um yeah. What one piece of advice would you give to those running a beer business right now during this unprecedented time? If you could give one one pearl. Wow. <laughs> Crystallising it into one thing. And um, if um, you do it in a Yoda voice as well, you get extra points. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I can't do it in a Yoda voice. Um, have a plan and execute it. Mm, have a plan. 
execute you must yeah. mm, there you go i did i did the voice for you well i, well, I hope we can um, speak again on a, on a more jolly uh, um topic maybe when it's less stressful yes. um, um, what, and where, how can people yeah. connect with you and find those resources you talked about yeah sure so uh, twitter um just search for um at pubs advisory or use the hashtag uk pubs you know with a plural with an s at the end of it uk pubs i've often tweeting using that hashtag so you'll find many many tweets with hashtag uk pubs on it or, or even hashtag microbreweries um and facebook yeah it's pubs advisory service on facebook so um yeah you can have a look at that um and see where we've got those links i've, I've pinned po both of the um uh the updates and the lists of information and i think I put it up this morning. Um, thousands of people have looked at it. I'm just looking at the stats here. It's been, um, yeah, according to Facebook, it said this post has performed 85% better than anything else I've ever done. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Amazing. So, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad it's, um, it's there. It's not overwhelming that there were some, you know, nice, uh, good, succinct little uh, links for people to click on. Um, but if, you know, if anyone wants to message me privately, of course they can, you know, uh, just go through one of the social feeds, uh, follow us and send us a message. Um, happy to do that. And, um, yeah, see if I can try and help out and make some sense of what is largely a nonsensical position. Yeah. There you <laughs> go. Well, yeah. yeah thank, thank you. Thanks. That's all right, Nick. See you for a beer sometime. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot Forward podcast this week. Don't forget to head over to thewinchester.hotforward.beer where you'll get your seven-day survival guide. Um, I hope you find that really useful. And make sure you stay tuned to Hot Forward. We're going to keep putting out the content that we're prepared to put out and keep uh, commenting on the situation and trying to help you through this unprecedented time with your beer business. So keep calm and drink beer, and I will see you next week.